0: Welcome to Inside Games, the only gaming news channel brave enough to kiss a Pikachu. Yeah, and soon believe we'll get the- we like black in our lips. Man, love hurts, doesn't it, Lawrence? Uh, That's a feeling Pokemon fans are pretty familiar with, now more than ever, since Pokemon Scarlet and Violet reviews are out. Surprise! It's bad. The worst Pokemon ever. As long as you don't count remakes anyway. Ah, there's an additional tragedy beyond the fact that we'll never be innocent children playing Pokemon for the first time again. Uh, This Pokemon is actually good good
1: holy clickbait bruce did we just say it's bad and good what kind of fresh bravery is this
0: (laughs) i I know that's called playing both sides life is complicated so it's games journalism Uh, in this report we're going to cover the wide array of reviews that just went live and see if we can't find out why these games keep launching Buggier than a drill. Classic Games Journals. I love that alliteration. Well, to kick off our
1: little
2: Pokemon adventure, we're going to hear from the two-time
1: Kanto region gym, Assistant of the Month,
2: Charlotte. Thank you. Uh, It should have been three, but, you know, politics. Some people are not ready to see uh, an Irish-American fly so high. Ah, the game's rough out there, isn't it? It sure is. In this case, literally, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet currently has a 77 on Metacritic. Not bad, not great for a mainline Pokemon game. To compare, Sword and Shield got an 80, Sun and Moon got an 87, X and Y also got an 87, Pokemon Black and White got an 87, and their sequels got an 80. That means with an average score of 77, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is the worst mainline Pokemon game going back over a decade. Oh, wait my Why didn't reviewers like Scarlet and Violet? I don't understand. Well, for one, it was the graphics and the performance. Oh, <laughs> okay. Obviously, you wouldn't expect either of these to be cutting edge considering the franchise and the platform it's on. Uh, but even taking that into account, reviewers said Scarlet and Violet were not up to snuff. Reviewers complained of character models popping in and out or running at slideshow speeds, Pokemon clip out of walls and floors or get stuck completely. IGN's reviewers said they spent an entire gym battle with one Pokemon halfway buried in the floor. Uh, maybe that was Treat, Dugtree, Dug Diglett. CNET wrote in its headline that the games were too much Pokemon for the Switch to handle. <laughs> They wrote that frames can stutter at the best of times, but it slows to a crawl when you get to towns, writing, The citizens that inhabit these cities often shuffle along like stop-motion animation, missing every second frame.
1: The living, breathing world we've been waiting for. The Verge said that while the main characters and the Pokemon look fine, everything else around them often look terrible. They said the characters animate like a slideshow in the background, and some textures look like they
0: belong in the PS2 era. Uh, Polygon wrote that the game "quote looks and runs
2: like a middling GameCube game." Oh, 2004, <laughs> take me back. <laughs> <laughs> IGN called the games a technical mess and said there really isn't a moment in these games where I'd say they run well. Eurogamer said that the graphical glitches remain even after the 1.0.1 patch. They said the glitches are inexcusable given how much money the franchise brings in. We tend to agree, which is why we'll talk more on that later.
1: Yeah, but it's not all trash garbage with the new game apparently most reviewers found that gameplay wise pokemon scarlet and violet are actually the open world pokemon games that we've
0: been waiting years for almost euro gamer wrote the days are gone where you are directed from gym to gym and the new games you're kind of free to go wherever you want but there's no level scaling so you'll get destroyed if you don't somewhat follow the intended paths that open world IGN noted
1: though that quote if you do try to take on objectives in precise order of difficulty you'll have to do a lot of inconvenient zigging and zagging across the massive Paldea map. Instead, the game encourages getting lost and finding your own way.
2: Yeah, the game has three major storylines, beating all the gym leaders, taking out bases run by the evil team star and helping the professor's son take out massive Titan Pokemon who are popping up everywhere. I feel like that one should take precedent. And that's cool, but Polygon said that Scarlet and Violet don't use a lot of the typical methods that open world games employ. Hmm.
0: Uh, For instance, there are not any random battles. You can kind of walk right past a Pokemon that's way too strong for you, which is pretty cool actually, Uh, but this could lead to your team getting crushed out of nowhere too. I like getting crushed. Pokemon games don't crush enough.
1: (laughs) And one of the weirder things is sometimes the challenges in one storyline will be gated by progress in another storyline. So it does kind of tend to slot you around a lot.
2: Polygon's reviewer wrote that, quote, I spent large swaths of my playtime in Violet feeling disoriented, tackling these routes with what felt like a whimsical precision, only to be met with sudden difficulty spikes or segments where my opponent's Pokemon were a dozen levels below mine.
0: Mm, part of that is just the uh, nature of the freedom of open world games, but it also sounds like Game Freak. Could have done more to signal to players when they were out of their depth. Sounds like they could have done a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scarlet and Violet also
1: don't incorporate some of the quality of life measures that were really well received in Pokemon Legends Arceus, like the ability to capture a Pokemon without battling them, or the mechanic where you can name a Pokeball
0: manually and throw it at a target, which is really cool, by the way. Um, other reviewers, yeah, yeah it's great. Other reviewers took issue with some of the writing. CNET said that interacting with other characters is quote a drag with reams of dry dialogue, reliably halting momentum.
2: I mean, I would say to the CNET reviewer, have you ever tried to talk to a person like at anywhere? Uh, in, in real life, yeah. In real life, like uh, you don't know, it sucks. Still though, lots of people said the core mechanic of collecting Pokemon is still fun even if the graphical issues take some of the shine off. Polygon loved the writing in Scarlet and Violet and said that it builds towards a truly stellar, compelling endgame. CNET said that it's still addictive to collect your Pokemon and fill the Pokedex.
1: Those technical issues, for most reviewers, overshadowed a lot. The Verge wrote that, quote, It feels like we've reached the limit of what the Switch is capable of, at least for this
0: style of game. Which brings us to the question at the core of this. Why do Pokemon games keep launching this way? I have the answer for you, but uh, I'm sure we're going to get into (laughs) it. Uh, CNET's reviewer suggests the Switch may simply not be able to handle open world games of this magnitude. Uh, There's got to be some validity to that. I mean, there has to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, given that the Switch is now itself more than five years old and it wasn't even cutting edge tech when it launched, you know, kind of adds up. Plus other open world games like Skyrim, likewise experience performance issues on Nintendo's
2: little tablet. That said, Breath of the Wild is still there, proving that it can be done. Tons of other third-party games have pulled it off as well, like The Witcher 3, No Man's Sky, and Immortals Phoenix Rising. Oh man, Horizon Zero Dawn ass name. Recent Nintendo releases, Splatoon 3 and Bayonetta 3, managed to feel mostly modern. Hell, the Switch even playably runs Doom Eternal somehow. Yeah, so what gives if the Switch can do
0: it, or at least not. cock it up as badly as pokemon scarlet and violet seem to have why do pokemon games always turn out to be unoptimized rickety low effort messes
2: well hold on to your pokemon hats folks because the answer is money wait no that can't be (laughs) hold on a second it's never money (laughs) it's that dastardly old classic inside games villain Money. We obviously cannot comment on the development or production philosophy of Pokemon, but observing logistics externally certainly paints the picture of a developer that prioritizes release volume over quality, which is extremely uncharacteristic for anything adjacent to Nintendo. It breaks down like this. Since 2016, Game Freak has launched six pokemon games seven if you consider the ultra sun and moon release to be another game and just for fun eight if you consider the two sword and shield dlcs as another game so that's eight ish games in six years
1: yeah also game freak has released other games in that time span toss in those and you actually have 11 releases in six years all credited just to game freak as the sole developer And here's the kicker, the company's staff is just 170, according to Wikipedia.
0: Oh my goodness, Graham, 11 games, not enough. We gotta admit, uh, the release pace, very impressive. But it could also explain why some of these games are unfinished and broken and terrible.
2: Yeah, so
1: why not finish them? Well, you know, (laughs) money. (laughs)
2: <laughs> guess what it's funny <laughs> uh, the market clearly doesn't require the usual levels of technical sophistication when it comes to pokemon sword and shield sold 25.37 million since its launch in 2019 pokemon legends arceus which was memed on for its dated open world visuals sold 12.64 million as of may 2022. those are great sales for a full proper AAA a game now just imagine you get the same return but with half the staff and development time that seems to be the position that Game Freak currently enjoys.
0: Mm-hmm. What's weird is the Pokemon strategy we see out of Game Freak seems so contrary to that of Nintendo, who, with kind of a few weird exceptions, typically really does the exact opposite of all this release schedule. Uh, Nintendo tends to take a lot of time making sure their banner franchises release in great shape. Uh, The recent Tears of the Kingdom delay is a perfect example of this. That's the real mystery at the core of
1: all this. How does it work out that Nintendo, one of the most brand conscious companies in gaming, keeps co-publishing games that make Pokemon continue to look like cheap, broken, buggy, behind-the-times messes.
2: Given that the games are co-published between Nintendo and the Pokemon Company, it's tempting to pick the odd one out and say, it's the Pokemon Company's fault, but that's also difficult to really nail down. The Pokemon Company itself is a joint venture between Nintendo, Creatures, and Game Freak, so it's not like the Pokemon Company is some profiteering third party. They'd likely have the same motivations that their constituent partners do.
0: So we asked around a bit, and the impression we get is that this is simply how Game Freak develops releases games, Uh, which is not to accuse them of releasing buggy and poorly performing games on purpose, more that they stick to smaller projects with constrained scopes and aggressive release dates, and uh, I feel maybe a lot of people feel like this one might might have been a little too aggressive.
1: A 2019 interview with Video Games Chronicle revealed that Game Freak has two game development teams which alternate between Pokemon titles and their own original productions. Game Freak structured it that way to ensure the developers would be able to expand their skill sets by working on different platforms, different engines, and different game types.
0: This led to releases like 2015's Tembo the Badass Elephant and 2019's Little Town Hero. Uh, Just FYI, you should check out Pocket Card Jockey if you haven't. It's real, real good. Lawrence recommends it.
2: The point is, Game Freak themselves could just be firing out Pokemon games left and right, but they're intentionally mixing in original development for the sake of their staff. I guess more accurately, they're finding time to let their developers make original games while they fire out Pokemon games left and right. Still, the point is they could be making even more broken Pokemon games if they wanted, but they are choosing not to. Ugh.
1: I think we just hurt ourselves in our confusion there.
2: I feel good. I feel good. So either
0: way, it seems like it's Game Freak's DNA to stick with smaller experimental projects that never last more than two or three years. Uh, They seem to like smaller projects with aggressive timelines, and I think they probably just cut too close to the bone on this one.
1: Yeah, and the market has yet to punish them for doing so, so why would they? That's correct. Especially when you can just That's roll right. it into the next project and try the next thing. Also, knowing Pokemon, we won't have to wait too long for a spit-polish re-release like Pokemon Slappy Scarlet and Vibe Violet <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> uh, it's, that would be a really good pairing for another Switch, if that ever comes along. Which brings me to the most critical question of all. What's your favorite Pokemon? Snorlax! Professor Oak. I like Waba Fit. <laughs> He's a chill guy. And you can't you can't knock him down. That's what I like about him.
2: He always gets back up. Yeah.
0: Guys guys, I have one piece of advice uh, for everybody watching these videos right now. Stop buying Pokemon games if they're broken. Stop it. Everybody complains about it. They always go, Yeah, these games are so broken, these graphics are garbage, And then they all buy it. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> because then they won't do that anymore. Stop. <laughs>
1: Oh well, Bruce, I got some patrons that have already caught them all. Oh, wow. Too late. Too late for them. Eddie the Dog, Nathaniel Jameson, Jacob, Xander, and Colin Cochran.
0: So my patrons are the very best that no one ever was. Uh, Arala, Kyle Abbott, Dylan Hiley, Tito 007, and Mason Hoover. Way to go.